0: Uh, Thank you guys, appreciate that. Thank our choir, thank our praise team, and thank all of you for taking part in worship this morning. If you brought your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we want to read verses 25 through verse uh, 32. And so I'm going to be sharing with you this morning a sermon I've entitled, The Hindrance to Revival. The Hindrance to Revival. And... Before I came out, I kind of took a green ink pen and top of that, at the top of that title I put the great hindrance to revival. So we're going to be looking at the great hindrance to revival. Begin reading at verse uh, chapter 4 of uh, Ephesians and verse 25 through verse 32. Therefore, put in away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole still no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands What is good that he may have something to give him who has need? Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be you kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Look, if you will, at verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together this morning through praise and worship. And now, as we open your word, speak to our hearts, I pray, through your Holy Spirit. Give me the words to say, the right word, the right spirit to say them in. Open our hearts and our minds. May we sense the presence of your Holy Spirit. And when the invitation is given, Father, that those who are without Jesus Christ will be saved, and those who are Christians will have an opportunity, will have an opportunity to examine our lives, to see how we might become a better Christian in your eyes and in the eyes of this world as they look upon our actions each day. We make this prayer in Jesus' name, Amen. Ephesians four twenty-five through thirty-two. Last week I mentioned this thought: revival is not for God's is for God's people, and it's not for lost people. Lost people are dead in their transgressions and sin, and they need to be raised from the dead. They need a resurrection. And not a revival. Revival is the Holy Spirit doing a fresh work among God's people. Let me say that again. Revival is a fresh work. A fresh work of the Holy Spirit among God's people. Revival is the beginning of obedience in the life of God's people. There is this fresh desire when you experience revival. Revival. This fresh desire for Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. And at times your Christian life become, can become a drag. I've experienced that. You really can get spiritually down if you're not careful. And the Bible says in Revelation that there was a church that for all practical purposes, the church was spiritually dead. Some believers are in a spiritual coma today. They're here, but they're not here. Perhaps some are listening to this service, but yet they're in this spiritual coma. They're in front of the TV, but they're just in front of the TV. In Revelation chapter two and three, chapter two, there was another church that had left its first love. They'd lost their passion For the Lord Jesus Christ, we can lose our desire to do great things for God. We can lose our desire to expect great things from God. And so if we're not careful, we can get to a place where we're just comfortable with God. So God spoke to me weeks and weeks ago about the need for revival in our church, but also in our country. And I thank God that some of you, and I've mentioned before, you've experienced the conviction of the need for revival in your own life and in the life of our church and, of course, in the life of our nation. Revival takes its desire from the believer. We desire revival, but it takes its power from God. We know the prescription of revival, Second Chronicles if my people, that's us, who are called by my name, Christian, God's people, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins. I'll heal their land. Isaiah 64 verse 1 is said to be by some theologians the greatest prayer for revival in the Bible. Isaiah 64, verse 1 say, simply says, God, if you would just rip open the heavens and come down. That's what we're praying for. Revival is God coming down to his people in a fresh way. And so, first of all, if you're taking notes, the grieving of the Holy Spirit. The grieving of the Holy Spirit is found in verses 25 through 29. Now, you have to remember this when we talk about revival. The key to revival is the Holy Spirit. The key to revival is the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit's willing to work in the life of us individually today. The Holy Spirit is willing to work in our church. The Holy Spirit is willing to work. But the Holy Spirit can be grieved. We'll talk a little more about this as time goes on, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Now, notice the Bible says in verse 30, Ephesians 4, grieve not the Holy Spirit, says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Now, the point is because when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we don't experience revival. When you grieve the Holy Spirit, you won't experience revival. So ask yourself these questions. I jotted these down. Why is my spiritual life in such a drag? Why is my spiritual life just a, just a drag? Well, probably it's because you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Another question. Why is your spiritual life or why is my spiritual life in a coma? Well, it's probably because you're grieving the Holy Spirit. And so the grieving of the Holy Spirit is key to revival. Now, the sin of grieving the Holy Spirit is a common sin in the church. The sin of grieving the Holy Spirit is a common sin in the church. Now, there are certain sins that are common in the church that grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, let me say this again. The sin, singular, of grieving the Holy Spirit is coming in the church. There are certain sins, plural, that are common in the church that grieve the Holy Spirit. And he lists those. First one is lying. That's a common sin in the church that grieves the Holy Spirit. Lying is simply not telling the truth. Now, you can speak a lie, and the Bible doesn't deal with white lies or little lies, not so big lies. The Bible speaks of just lying, not telling the truth. So you can speak a lie. Sometimes you can lie with your silence if you're not careful because someone will say something that you know is not the truth, and you can correct it if you choose to, and sometimes you choose not to, and if you choose not to correct it, then you have lied in silence. Lying is a sin that grieves the Holy Spirit. I don't have time, or we don't have time right now, but read about Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts, and they grieved the Holy Spirit. They lied to the Holy Spirit. They said they would sell uh, so, give their proceeds of land to the church. They chose to do. They didn't have to do that, but they said they would. They said they did. They didn't, and both of them died. Why was that? Well, because they lied to the Holy Spirit. It's serious. So lying grieves the Holy Spirit. Something else grieves the Holy Spirit. That's anger. You notice that. Anger, verse 26, grieves the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a righteous anger. We ought to get angry at the devil. We ought to get angry at child abuse. We ought to get angry at abortion or hunger or weakness. But anger is animosity that comes between people. That's anger. The Bible says, don't get mad. Don't get mad says, get angry, and we'll talk about that, but sin not. In that verse, he says, listen, don't go to bed angry. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't hold over into tomorrow the anger that you have today. Couples, you don't need to get mad at each other and go to bed mad. You need to make things right before the sun goes down. That's the fun part. Terry, you thought it was. (laughs) Get right with each other and with God before you go to bed. Don't let the sun go down uh, on your wrath. Don't, Don't pray, stay up, son, stay up, son. Don't put it off, but get right with each other and get right with God. So the point is, you may get angry, but don't stay angry. Deal with the anger. Confess it and forsake it. And notice the next sin that grieves the Holy Spirit. That's compromise. Compromise. Verse 27. Don't give the devil the opportunity or the occasion or the place to get in your life. Don't open an avenue up to the devil to come into your life. Don't let the devil come into your life... And influence you. Now, when we think about some things that could do that, that the devil would use to do that, they're kind of no-brainers. I jotted down some: alcohol. Alcohol. Don't give the devil the opportunity to use alcohol in your life. Most of you know how I feel about alcohol. I love people. I love people. But I actually, I really hate. Alcohol. I have a degree in social work. I did my social work internship in an alcohol rehab center. I know what it does to people. All ages. I know what it does. And I just not I do not like alcohol. And I'm not changing my feelings about alcohol. I'm not running for anything. I'm not in politics. I'm not trying to scratch somebody's itching ear when it comes to alcohol. I'm not gonna change. I have my convictions. I'm not trying to draw a crowd, but not preaching against alcohol. I, I'm only interested in, in, in standing by my convictions and standing firm in what I believe the Bible teaches, and I'm insisting on standing in the presence of the Lord one day, and I don't want to answer to Him about alcohol. The point is... Alcohol causes you to give place to the devil, and it only takes a little bit to do that. And that's God's truth. Don't lure your guard. Don't lure the guard. No brainer, that'll agree the Holy Spirit. Drugs, that'll agree the Holy Spirit. Prescription drugs, non prescriptive drugs. Drugs are opening our life like a window and we're saying to the devil with these drugs, just influence my life any way you want to. Now there are other no-brainers that will cause you to grieve the Holy Spirit. Astrology will cause you to grieve the Holy Spirit. Ouija boards, you don't hear much about those now. Tarot cards, you don't. Some, fortune-telling horoscopes, I hear that from time to time. You say, well, Brother Samuel, a horoscope is so innocent. It's not innocent when you open your mind to the devil. It's not innocent. And the reasons for these no barriers, the reason you're taking part in no barriers, in those those, uh, no-brainers, is that you're ignoring the lordship of Jesus Christ over your life. But the really bad reason is you're giving place to the devil. Ignoring the lordship of Jesus Christ and giving place to the devil. And so the key to not letting Satan have any influence in your life you surrender your life to the Lord Jesus, you surrender your mind to the Lord Jesus, your heart to the Lord Jesus, your hands to the Lord Jesus, your feet to the Lord Jesus, your bank account to the Lord Jesus, your tongue to the Lord Jesus, your family life to the Lord Jesus. You surrender those things to the Lord Jesus and that will prevent you from grieving the Holy Spirit. But there's another no-brainer, which you can greet the Holy Spirit. You can ignore the discipline of grace. The disciplines of grace. You can ignore the disciplines of grace. What are those? Ignoring uh, certain things that are part of the disciplines of grace in growing as a Christian. You can ignore Bible study. You can ignore quiet time. You can ignore prayer time. You can ignore corporate worship, meeting at the church and worshiping with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You can ignore small group discipleship study. You can ignore those things. And that will bring about grieving the Holy Spirit when you ignore the disciplines of grace. And then another sin that grieves the Holy Spirit, number F, if you take a note, and that's laziness, laziness. You know, God takes a dim view of laziness. You, know, you say, Brother Sammy, I want God to use me. Well, I was thinking about this. I've never, I've never seen God use someone who is lazy. And when you go through the Bible, you find Gideon, and Gideon's at the threshing floor, and he's threshing wheat, and an angel appears to him and says, Gideon, you're the man. You go to David, and David's out. He's tending sheep. A prophet shows up and says, Listen, you're going to be anointed king over Israel. And then how Moses, he's out tending sheep, and all of a sudden he comes before a burning bush, and God gives him one more of assignment to lead his people out of slavery from Egypt. And then you got Peter and James and John, and they were all hardworking fishermen. And then you have Paul, and he was a tent maker. So the point is if you're a lazy person, regardless how gifted you might be, how, how big a dynamic personality you might have, God's never going to use you if you're lazy. Something else, agreed the Holy Spirit. Verse 28. Stealing. Stealing. You say, Brother Sammy, I don't steal. You know, you can steal somebody's time. You can steal your employer's time. That's stealing. I remember when I, years ago when I worked for the school system, and on Wednesday night, I remember the first time um, I was there, and I thought, I'll go to my Bible study. And I pulled out my desk drawer, and I'm thinking, it's not right. I'm on their time. I'm stealing their time. You can be a stealer, a thief, by stealing time, talents that God gave you to serve Him. You use them somewhere else. as stealing. That's stealing. Stealing the tithe that God requires. A stealing. You can steal. You know. You can. St- you can steal another person's reputation. by gossip. By slander. But you can greet the Holy Spirit with a bad mouth. Verse 29. The sin of a bad mouth will greet the Holy Spirit. Corrupt communication. Corrupt is worthless. Let nothing worthless, worthless proceed out of your mouth, out of your heart. That's where it all begins, in the heart. So the point is, if profanity... Nasty talk, bad language comes out of your mouth. That is worthless. That's bad. That's rotten. That's vulgar. Gossip, slander that you use to tear someone apart with your tongue, that quenches and grieves the Holy Spirit of God. So here's the point. These are all common sins that produce the great sin of grieving the Holy Spirit. You know what? Until we get rid of those sins, that shuts down revival. That shuts down revival in your life, and that will shut down the revival in a church. So you have the grieving of the Holy Spirit, and the grieving of the Holy Spirit is dangerous. Why is it dangerous? Because without the hope of the Holy Spirit, we are sunk. I mean, we can't convert anyone We can't convict anyone without the Holy Spirit. We can't save souls. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And so if we're grieving the Holy Spirit through our unconfessed sins, and He's not working in our life and in the life of the church, we're sunk. How were 3,000 souls saved at Pentecost? They were saved by the work of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 4. Verse 31 says this, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembling together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And so it is the Holy Spirit that grabs the lost sinner and shakes them out of this spiritual neutrality, convicts them of sin, It's the Holy Spirit that puts fire in the person that sings. The Holy Spirit that puts fire in the preacher. The fire in the teacher. The fire in the worship service. And if the Holy Spirit is grieved, the preaching is dead, and the worship means nothing. The greatest hindrance to revival is grieving the Holy Spirit of God. And our churches today, for the most part, they've grieved out the one that can make a difference in their personal lives and in the life of a church. So grieving the Holy Spirit is dangerous. Grieving the Holy Spirit is a sin against His person. Verse 30. Holy Spirit's a person. Do you know you can only grieve a person? Grief has the ideal of love, and you grieve over the person that you love. Someone can tell me that so and so died, and I really hate that, but I can't grieve over that person. I, I don't, I don't know that person to the point that I, that I love that person so much as I would my wife, my children, my my uh, relatives, my close friends. Her briefest pastor of North Jackson. Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. He gave a good, great illustration. He talked about the dove. You know, when Jesus was baptized, the Father spoke from heaven. Uh, Jesus, the Son, was in the water, and the dove, the Holy Spirit, came down and landed on the shoulder of Jesus. You know, the dove was a very special bird in the Bible. The dove was used in, in the Old Testament sacrifices. And we've been told that the dove has no gallbladder and cannot digest anything that is bitter. It's considered to be a holy bird. You know, my dad, we never went dove hunting. Never went dove hunting. Dad said, well, we really don't need to kill those doves. They're special to God. They're holy birds. It wouldn't feed on anything dead. Not like a vulture, come down and grab some rotten flesh or dead flesh. It wouldn't do that. Did you know a dove mates for life? And when a dove mates, dies, that dove never mates with another dove again. You know why? It grieves. So the point is, when you got saved, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 30, sealed means mark of ownership. You belong to Him. You were indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Everything you look at, you're making the Holy Spirit of God look at it. Everything you put in your mouth beverage-wise, you're making the Holy Spirit look ingest that also. Every place you go, you're taking the Holy Spirit with you, where it'd be some gambling joint or some bar somewhere. And when you give yourself to the world and the flesh, to the devil, as a believer, you grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, when these common sins are present in your life as a behavior, It shuts down the Holy Spirit. And the result is he ceases to manifest himself in your life. You have no peace. You have no joy. You have the fruit of the Spirit. You have none of the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and temperance in which there's no law. Some of you who are here, some of you listening, are watching, you've grieved the Holy Spirit. And you're not being filled with the Spirit because some of the sins that have grieved the Holy Spirit are taking up the space in your life in which the Holy Spirit wants to fill. It's a dangerous thing to grieve the Holy Spirit. It's a sin against the person. And I'll close with this. Grieving the Holy Spirit is a stubborn sin. Sometimes people want not just hang on to their sin. And the only way this sin can be removed, grieving the Holy Spirit, the only way that can be removed from your life, that sin, is for you to repent. The last words Jesus said to the church in Matthew 28, 19 through 20 was not his last words to the church. We hear that from time to time. We'll say the last words was the Great Commission. It wasn't the Great Commission. The last words to the church are found in Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3. And Jesus said this, you need to repent. To the lukewarm church, he said you need to repent. To the church that lost its passion, its first love, he said you need to repent. And repentance means I who have grieved the Holy Spirit today, I grieve Over my sin that grieves the Holy Spirit, and I confess it, and I forsake it. That's repentance in the life of a believer. So, repentance involves a change of attitude. Verse 31 in our text. Verse 31 in Ephesians 4. Let me close with this. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Let all bitterness, that bitterness is a long-standing resentment that you have towards someone. Let all wrath, that wrath is an explosion on the inside, on the outside from trouble you got going on on the inside. Let clamor, that's real loud quarreling. Let evil speaking, that's really insulting, real insulting language. Let all malice, that's an evil force that destroys relationships. It's an attitude that wants to harm another person. And the question is, do you think the Lord is going to use you or me to change our community, our town, our school, our, our county, our state, our nation when we have a prideful attitude and we won't confess the sins that have grieved the Holy Spirit in our life? Do you think that you can be a Spirit-filled, dynamic believer that's going to help change this world, when you have a bitter attitude, a negative attitude, a smart-aleck attitude, a hateful attitude, a prideful attitude, and you think everybody at church is out of stealth, but you, you need to come to a humble point in your life and ask God to forgive you. And turn from the way that you're going. And say, Lord, it's not about me looking at all the sins of others. But it's about me dealing with the sins in my own life. Please use me. And I humble myself. I step away from all this pride junk. Ask you to forgive me. And so if you refuse to humble yourself, if you refuse to judge yourself, God has a way of bringing you to that point. Verse 32, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Well, Brother Sammy, I can't forgive. Really? Well, you don't know what they did to me. You see, you and I have been forgiven, now listen, for nailing Jesus to the cross. What do you mean you can't forgive? Your biological sister, or your biological brother, or your biological, or your mom, or your dad. What do you mean you can't forgive them? We've been forgiven for nailing Jesus to the cross. And we can't forgive for something real trivial that someone said to us or someone did to us. You say, well, Brother Sam, you just don't know the full story. I mean, it's not trivial. It's trivial compared to the cross. The point is, the great hindrance to revival... It's grieving of the Holy Spirit. The grieving of the Holy Spirit is dangerous. The grieving of the Holy Spirit is a sin against the person of the Holy Spirit. And the grieving of the Holy Spirit is a stubborn sin that demands a humbled heart that will seek forgiveness. And when not all that comes about, my life, your life, this church will experience a great revival. That's how prayer Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to come together and focus on the great hindrance to revival, the sin of grieving the Holy Spirit, brought on by the sins that are in our lives that grieve the Holy Spirit. Help us to realize without the Holy Spirit, we're sunk. As a church, individual Christians, as we try to witness Lord, it's you that caused that person to salvation, not us. It's you that takes your word. It's you that's, that you, t- you take us and you use us, you send us, you give us the words to say to people. We have to have a clean heart, and we have to ask you, Lord, to cleanse us through and through, Lord, as we attempt to fulfill this great commission that you've given to us. Thank you for what you're going to do in this service this morning. As people come, as people humble themselves, come clean with you. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.